Being recruited to a Power 5 conference, that's huge. But what if the future of your Power 5 conference is in question? This is Locked on Baylor. You are Locked on Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Baylor. I'm Drake Toll from Sports Illustrated's Inside the Bears. That is Brian Smith, the Locked On podcast recruiting expert. Thank you for making Locked On Baylor your first listen every single day. Brian, hopping right into it. Pac-12, Big 12. There's been drama for well over a year now with these two conferences. I do okay. You know what, Brian? Let's peel the curtain back a little bit. I'm doing a little college summer league baseball up here in Alaska, right? And one of the conversations that's very prevalent with these players is, oh, we're facing a, a high-level D1 pitcher today, right? So, so to me, obviously it matters if the kid goes power five or not. Do you feel a recruiting effect on, on the drama that's going on between the Pac-12 and the Big 12 right now? It's going to impact some of the kids because they want to know where the hell they're going to be playing their games at. How could it not? I mean, like, think about this. I grew up following Notre Dame, so you anything USC does is important. Well, they're jumping to the Big Ten. That is weird. You know what I mean? Any school yeah. that's impacted by this is going to be somebody they played in the conference or they're not going to play anymore. It's Everything changes. So, yeah, it matters. Like, kids in L.A., like, just for them as an example, do they really want to travel to see games in Minnesota and Ohio? It's No. So, yeah, it, it matters, and it's going to impact a lot of different schools in a lot of different ways. When you talk about conference allegiance, there are players who are, who are in high school that want to play in the Big Ten, that want to play in the SEC. That, that's huge. Those monikers are massive. Does the Big 12 have a brand like that right now? No, not even close, and that's reality. Uh, the lack of defense in that conference has been laughed at for a long time. I live in Florida, and people down here do not respect the Big 12. They don't. And that's something they're going to have to fix on the field. And it's bizarre to me because the state of Texas, you think about blue collar, tough, hard nosed football. Well, now it's wide open, throw the ball everywhere, and there's not a lot of defense. So it's kind of interesting that you see that. But that's the moniker. And the state of Texas still got a lot of talent, but a lot of it's leaving. That's the other thing. A lot of it goes to Tennessee or Alabama or Clemson or whatever. And they're just losing too many of the recruits, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So they they got to shore that up a little bit. And the Big 12 needs to do something in the playoff. They need to have a team win a game and beat a Georgia, beat an Alabama, beat a Clemson, beat Ohio State before they get the respect. It's about winning big games. When you talk about Cincinnati coming in, BYU, UCF, are these brands big enough to change that in the Big 12? Can the Big 12 – become a desirable conference when the SEC and the Big Ten seem to be so head and shoulders above everybody else? I mean, just those names, it's not. There needs to be a player that kind of gets somebody over the top. Um, I, don't, I don't know which guy or which team it'll be, but think of it this way. When Baylor went back on the map 10, 15 years ago, they started rising up, and then they're all, you know, they got a Heisman guy, et cetera. They need somebody to step up. Yeah. They need to have nationally televised games on Saturday night that ESPN wants, that CBS wants, that all these teams want. Right now, I mean, you got one more year with Oklahoma and Texas. The TV package is not like – I know Big 12 fans don't want to hear it, 
but the fan base numbers are what drive the markets. That's just the way it is. And those are two by far the biggest fan bases there are. So that's not good. And AM had already left the, you know, the Southwest Conference, Big Eight, Big 12, the whole, the, all that. They just took the money a long time ago. They need somebody to step up really fast. Maybe Houston or somebody does that. But I think Baylor, to be honest, has as good a shot as anybody because they got, a, a, in my opinion, a great head coach. He, he knows how to develop talent. He's a hell of a defensive coach. So Baylor is very important in the next few steps for the Big 12 or they're going to be left behind. Brian, I've learned. I went hiking two days ago at a mountain, and I didn't bring bears. Turns out bear spray is $42 for a little canister. Way too much. Out of the price range. So, you know, I learned as long as you're faster than the guy next to you, you don't need bear spray. You just push them down and you go. In this conference talk, the ACC has seven schools that are talking about leaving the grant of rights. The Pac-12 might not exist in two weeks. It could add four teams in two weeks. Is the Big 12 at least ahead of those two leagues as of June 14th? The grant of rights thing that's going on with the ACC, I, I was talking with somebody about this the other day. Whatever buffoons decided to sign that deal. Yeah. Look, I'm not a lawyer, but that was terrible. <laughs> it's, yeah. I don't care if you had all the SEC schools also locked into the ACC for the sake of argument and a hypothetical. The contract is the contract. Yeah. It's like $30 million or whatever per team. I mean, it's just... It's just mind boggling. So you'd have to have ESPN and all these different companies agree on something. Good luck. They never agree on anything. So I think the big 12 is better in that state because at least they're not locked in and they can do some different things, but do they take it? They, they got to get somebody like Oregon or something different. has got to happen. They need more cachet though. And that's where the ACC's ahead. Miami, Florida state, Clemson, North Carolina, and, and you know, they're, it's ironic. The Big 12 right now in basketball is incredible. Yeah. It, it, it's phenomenal. And it, it doesn't probably get enough credit, but football is still what drives the financial engine of every conference. It's just the way it is because, you know, the numbers in the stadiums and all the donations that come from boosters is usually football driven. So, again, which team is it going to be? And Baylor's a possibility that helps change that to make it greater rights or not. The Big 12 needs to be ahead. They need to at least be third. Let's look at it that way, because if they're going to get Oregon or anybody else to join, I'm sure you've, you've probably talked about Colorado at some point. To me, I, Colorado, I think, is better fit for Big 12 than it is for the Pac-12, but that's just me. They need to get a few of these schools back in to broaden their television markets and to get more cachet. So they need they need to do it soon, too. Yeah, or, again, they could be left behind. Yeah. Brian, before we jump into Baylor's 2024 class and what that looks like moving forward in recruiting, when it comes to to the Pac-12 and their fall apart, right? We're talking about what if the Big 12 adds the Oregons and the Washingtons of of college football here, even Colorado and the way they've recruited. Are are you getting any sense from these high school kids that that plays into this? I, I just, to me, it seems like the Big Ten and the SEC have such a head start that we are closer to a two conference power mega everybody wants to play there rather than the big 12 even with washington and oregon being sustainable past the big 10 of the sec if they can get oregon and or washington and in colorado is a possibility as well things change because it changes the dynamics of where you recruit 
having access to California more would help all the schools in Texas. Having access to Seattle, having access to Salt Lake City, et cetera, all you're just going across. That would be the one positive. But overall, right now, it's a dynasty for these other schools. And the money they're bringing in from these TV contracts, it's not like their dynasty is really going to change because facilities are going to stay high. The money to recruit is going to continue to be at an ultra high level. And then finally, it's coaching salaries. They can set the trend. So it's pretty difficult. Um, Can't say it enough. They they need something to go right. Maybe it'll happen this year where they can get somebody into the playoff. But if if they don't get some kind of change, I don't think the, the additions they had with UCF, Houston, BYU, and Cincinnati are enough. It's not enough name brand recognition. They need somebody else to add it to the conference. Well, Brian, I've got uh, (laughs) the 24-7 rankings pulled up here. Baylor has the 53rd best class in college football next season, which uh, not great. Uh, And I want to unpack that with you. But first, I got to tell my friends at home about my friends at Bird Dogs. I am wearing right. So here's the wild thing. I was hiking two days ago uh, and I made a very conscious decision to wear shorts and a hoodie. Little did I know it would be snowing on the mountain uh, and there would be about 16 feet of snow in a snowpack that we were walking on. And I'm in shorts, but those shorts are bird dogs. And thanks to the built-in underwear, I was never cold. I felt comfortable. Bird dogs actually sent us a couple pairs of shorts, a little tumbler a while back, and they have been all that I can wear even in Alaska, where today it is 48 degrees and raining. Bird dogs, stretchy. They're like khakis, but better. They don't look as weird as like cargo shorts. They, My mom asked if they were Lululemon, and, and they're not. They look like it, but they're not. They actually fit better. Bird dogs, they are – I can't show you on camera. I would have to stand up, but I'm wearing them right now. And right if you get if you get a pair of bird dogs, Locked On College, promo code Locked On College, you get a Tumblr, a free gift Tumblr, along with that birddogs.com forward slash Locked On College, a free Tumblr. You don't want to miss – the offer at Bird Dogs right now. Go go get a pair and just trust me here. Bird Dogs, best shorts in America. You're going to love your pair of Bird Dogs when you go to birddogs.com forward slash locked on college. All right, Brian, the uh, <laughs> Baylor recruiting scene in 2024, they have six commits right now. Um, none of them ranked in the top 400 at ESPN or 24-7. This to me is how we say not good. Where do you put this Baylor 2024 class? How do you unpack this? I was looking at it, and I'll be honest, I was surprised because roughly a year ago I made the statement after they'd won the Big 12 that I'm like, okay, they're going to take another step now. And part of that is recruiting. They just haven't. Yeah. There's no no political correct answer here. They have fallen in that regard. That doesn't mean that it's over for this class. And I also went back and looked at something. They took, according to 247, 13 kids out of the portal. Yeah. Well, that changes your 13 scholarships you can't use for high school kids. So maybe that's just their plan. I mean, certain schools are kind of going that route. Uh, Obviously, Southern Cal has went way over, and so has Colorado. But I was kind of thinking, especially being in the state of Texas, you would trend a little bit more towards the prep scene. It's as well-coached a state as there is. There's a tremendous amount of talent. They just haven't hit it. But this this is the next point that's more important. If you're going to take fewer numbers, okay, and you're going to go to the portal, you still need to get some of the local kids 
and you need to beat Texas, Texas A&M, and Oklahoma for some of them. There's no shortcut there, especially for defensive guys. Dave is a defensive coach. They're not getting those kids yeah. on a consistent basis, even though they won the Big 12 recently. That makes no sense to me. So I need to see them get some more corners, some more D linemen, et cetera, that were elite players. And unless that happens, I'm going to be a little bit worried about their future. Brian, when you look at the class of 2024 for Baylor, again, it's all three stars across the board. Uh, Nate Bennett being the quarterback, too, the number 91 quarterback in the country and didn't have a lot of Power 5 offers, even just scanning these six guys in general. Uh, is this Power 5 talent or is Baylor reaching on some of these players? Um, I mean, it, it could be. I haven't went through all of their films, but the one thing I know Dave can do is evaluate. He got there in the first year they were terrible, right? But in yeah. one year, a few guys go out. He brings in a few high school kids, a few transfers, et cetera, and they're in the Big 12 title game. And they win it. So he understands roster management. But that doesn't mean these were his first picks either. Hmm. I don't know, again, why that is. I'm a little bit befuzzled by it. But Baylor needs an uptick. By now, they're behind the ball a little bit. But that doesn't mean they can't finish in the top 20 in recruiting at least. But they're going to have to get a few kids – that they're not favored for right now. Maybe it's a junior college player, or maybe there's a transfer or something involved too, but they're just not getting it done with high school recruiting quite to the level that I would want. So yeah, don't give up on them, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. Brian outside looking in, is there any telltale of why this is happening? You've got a school that in the last 10 years has recruited some big talent. And even in, in through the rule and Aranda era, you've seen some four and five star guys out of the portal and through the high school ranks and then there's 2024 that obviously hasn't come close to being put together. At this time last year, Baylor was at 20 commits from the high school ranks. And now again, it's six. Anything here that you think, all right, that maybe that's a good cause. The only thing I can think of is, is the reliance on the portal. Other than that, I have, I'm clueless because they had momentum and they were still pretty good last year. It wasn't like they were terrible or anything, yeah. but what's the deal? Like, why would you be sitting at six and they don't have a big-time player in that group, at least from a national perspective. Now, Dave and his staff may look at that differently. Uh, I'm not concerned about what 247 or ESPN think compared to Aranda and his staff, but I guarantee you, based on their offer list, a lot of those kids that were ranked higher, they would still like to have their committed elsewhere, UT, LSU, whatever it is. I don't know what it is, though, brother. Um, Baylor's, what, an hour, hour and a half from Dallas? Yeah. It's in the middle of the state. They've got they got recent tradition, as you noted, duly. And finally, they've got a coach that everybody's respected. So something has to give. They need to either they need to really go all in on the portal or they need to get some more high school talent, maybe add a little JUCO talent, too. But there's still six months until signing day. Let's keep that in mind. Brian, you talked about off the air before the show that there are a couple confusing parts of either Baylor's recruiting strategy or even what's been put together in 2024. What are those question marks that you have? Um, with recruiting in general, like what are they going to do with their, their offense moving forward? Um, how are they going to be able to score? Like if you look at the, let's look at the playoffs, even Georgia last year gave up 40 points in the playoffs. Are you going to be able to recruit like Georgia? Probably not. But if you're trying to get to the playoff and that's the only thing really left after they won the Big 12 is, you know, take that next step. How do you do that unless you recruit at a high level? 
And then offensively, they need more talent. Like quarterback, if you don't have big-time corner quarterback play, are you going anywhere? No. So I'm, I'm a little concerned about that for every school that's not like on Georgia and Alabama's level because you got to make up for it offensively. You just got to outscore them. Mm-hmm. Baylor needs something in that realm. And it's ironic because like the state of Texas with quarterbacks, holy cow, has it been unbelievable in the last 20 years. So maybe they can get over the hump there too. But like for you, like which guy would you say is Baylor's next great quarterback? Like, is there somebody on the roster that you feel comfortable with saying that? I don't, but you know uh, them better. That's, oh yeah. Take, no. take a shot if you want to throw <laughs> yeah. something out there. Enlighten me. Right. Right. There's and that was a conversation actually Monday's show. The same thing. It's look how many Baylor quarterbacks in the last decade have been really good at college football. I mean, Seth Russell and RG3, we talked about. You know, even Charlie Brewer is in the top five in a lot of Baylor career categories as a quarterback that was above serviceable 2019. They go to the Sugar Bowl, and Brewer was really solid that season. Gary Bohannon wins you a, a Big 12 championship. And who's left on the roster? There have been seven or eight quarterbacks that have left. Like Bohannon, as I mentioned, not going to finish his career at Baylor. He's at USF. Brewer. He left Baylor. And and then you have Kyron Drones, who entered the transfer portal. And Austin Novosad goes to Oregon. And Zach Pyron goes to Georgia Tech. The list of quarterbacks that have left or committed and gone elsewhere is, is discouraging for sure. Um, and and is that, Brian, it, that segues well into the, into the last segment here. Is that mostly part of the prevalence of the transfer portal at this point? Are you seeing that out of a lot of programs, especially at the quarterback position, where the turnover is there? No matter what you do at quarterback, you're going to have turnover. Kids are not going to sit the bench. It doesn't matter if it's Boston College, Northwestern, Baylor, UCLA. Kids leave. So that's part of it. The only thing you can do is recruit better and better and better every year. And whoever wins the job, well, so be it. And then when somebody leaves, you just replace it. There's, there's nothing you can do about it. Kids are not going to sit the bench in, the, in an era where they can transfer and gain immediate eligibility because, quite frankly, most kids have a much higher opinion of their abilities than what they are really good at doing. So, you know, I, I, I hear it all the time from guys and from parents, people bitching and moaning about playing time with their kid or whatever. Most of the guys just aren't as good as they think they are, and they certainly don't have the patience to wait it out to begin with. So that part is not Dave Aranda's fault. That's just part of being a college football coach, and his staff has to deal with it like everybody else. Brian, one of the weird things about the portal to me is how many talking heads around national media are all, oh, something's got to happen. Something needs to be done. There's going to be a big change coming is that is there any weight to that? Is there anything, any leg to stand on with the rumors of there will be regulation soon? Well, it sounds pretty basic, but considering the following situation that doesn't matter if you follow uh, traditional politics or not, it's it's in your life. Name one state that agrees with even another state on a, on a basic law. Now try to get all 50 to do the same thing. Good luck with that. You know what I mean? It's like, how do you get regulation across all these states and conferences when you can't even get state A and state B to agree? It, it's almost impossible. So there's some uh, regulation that just came out in Texas talking about all the NIL deals and not, you know, they try, they're trying to protect their schools from getting in trouble, even if they use inducements, let's just call it what it is. Yeah. And the NCA had their like their new president kind of called them out. It's going to get ugly. 
because schools want an advantage. <laughs> it's just what they want. So they want their schools to win. And if these governors don't sign off on that, they don't get reelected because these people did go to these schools too. It is complex. Um, I don't know what you're going to do about the portal. The only problem I see is there's a lot of kids now that are trying to transfer more than once and they're not, they're getting waivers and stuff like that to get out of sitting out. There's got to be some kind of consequence at some point. And the NCAA is just not very consistent, which is their history. So yeah, the NCAA right. needs to grow a pair and some of these schools they, they've got to do something in regards to finding a way to get along and agree at least on a few basic rules with the transfer portal because they're even trying to steal each other's players right off of rosters. We, yeah. I mean, it's it's obvious what's going on, and it's just it's buffoonery. I mean, it's just embarrassing to cover it at some point. You know, it's awkward to talk about it, but you can tell when somebody's trying to steal somebody else's player. I, I, I mean, come on, somebody has to get in trouble. There has to be a loss of scholarships. So, yeah, the portal is very awkward. Believe me, it's it's a constant conversation down here in Florida where I live, too. Yeah, because player A has a high school training coach that helped their speed and agility. And University A has a wide receiver coach who reaches out to that trainer and says, hey, we have some interest. And next thing you know, player A is transferring from wherever he is yep. to wherever that wide receiver coach is right through his high school trainer. Right? That, that's happening all the time in college football now to schools like Baylor. And I want to go to uh, Brian, when you mentioned NIL too, it sparked the, the Syracuse, uh, the whole Syracuse deal in my mind. What Syracuse could be comparable in some respects that football team that every 10 years has two or three good, you know, good spouts. It, does it make any sense at all to just say, Hey, we're not, we're just not going to do NIL that it just doesn't exist at our school. I can't wrap my head around that. Any school that does that is going to lose. I don't need to discuss it any further. They're going to lose. Because even in women's sports and non-profit areas like uh, rowing or whatever, there's going to be somebody, some booster that gives a guy 10 grand to go to their school. I mean, money is money. So, and people want to be appreciated, which I understand. Name, image, and likeness has a reason for it. And it doesn't have to be an inducement out of high school. Sometimes these kids go to a school, Baylor or otherwise, and they ball out. Well, that's the kid that deserves the NIL. Give them a deal with the local restaurant or the local accounting firm or the local car dealership. You've got to do those things. I mean, it's only right. And if you don't and the kid transfers, that's on you, not on the kid. So use it in a common sense way and not as an inducement, then we're good. So anybody that completely shies away from it, yeah, they got no shot. None at all. Yeah, Brian, we're seeing... A, a decent amount now, a, a noticeable amount to me of big 12 guys. We have like three or four Baylor dudes this year entered the portal and went to the SEC. How close when we talk about portal recruiting compared to high school recruiting, are we in entering an era where big 12 pac 12 players are leaving their, their conference to go to the big 10 or the big 12, almost like, or, or the SEC, almost like a minor league for what the big 10 and the SEC have become. I think that's part of it. Uh, it's usually more like a kid's pissed off because he didn't get to go power five. They'll go to Memphis. Yeah. They'll go to ball state or whatever. Their goal is to play really well for one or two years and transfer. But sometimes that happens and they didn't even make it into the conference. They wanted it can be Baylor because the kid just wanted to go to LSU. It could be Texas tech because the kid just wanted to go to Texas, uh, whatever it is. There's nothing you can do about that because it's not like the kids are going to give you the heads up on it. 
again, the transfer part with the immediate eligibility, I understand the reason for it, but it also opened up Pandora's box for all kinds of cheating. And the NCAA doesn't have the kahunas to slap somebody with probation because they're taking money out of their own cookie jar. When they put Texas or Florida, whatever school you want to pick, we're taking somebody off somebody else's roster. How do you fix that? I'll let you try to figure that one out because me and several of my buddies have tried to figure out how to write that article forever. But again, you're not going to penalize yourself. Yeah. You know, if you're the judge and jury, it, it just, you know, it doesn't make any sense. So it, it is awkward, brother. The, the, the politicalization of this goes beyond too, because there are even people say, well, Congress should do some of this. Congress doesn't want to slap anybody because these people get voted on too. Yeah. You yeah. go ahead and slap somebody. If you're a delegate in Texas, Go ahead and put Texas on probation. See if you get reelected. You're not. <laughs> so it's it's not a very easy thing to figure out. It's schools are going to cheat. Kids are going to leave. Kids have reasons to go. It is a big mess with the transfer portal. Well, Brian, we started with the Pac-12 and Big 12 drama and ended up getting philosophical about the transfer portal and the state of college and the state of college athletics. All in a good day's work. Uh, speaking of work, man, where can folks who are who are listening to you here in the Baylor realm for the first time, where can they find you? Yeah, I appreciate it. It's uh, at FB Scout underscore Florida. I do live in the greater Orlando to Tampa area right off I-4. Uh, do a lot of different stuff all around the southeast in particular. Do talk a little bit of football in the state of Texas from time to time. And in particular, it's this is the month. This is the time of year that is most mm. important to me because all the official visits. You can find me on YouTube and on Instagram at the same handle at FB Scout underscore Florida. Well, for everybody else listening, thanks for making Locked On Baylor your first listen every single day. Our everydayers, welcome back, and we'll see you on Friday. Brian, thanks for joining the show today. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And folks, again, follow Brian at FB Scout underscore Florida. Come back on Friday. The Baylor quarterback situation. What does it look like? Sawyer Robertson, Blake Shapen, anybody else? Archie Martinez. Hell, I might throw a touchdown pass this season. All that and more on Friday's show. This has been and always will be locked on Baylor. Baylor.